Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by Anchor. Anchor is a free platform for podcasts where you can record, edit, and share your podcast all in one place. We used to use several services, one to record and then one to edit and then one to get it to you. It took time and it took money to do this, and we are so happy to have found a new home with Anchor where we can do it all at once. Just download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. It's seriously so easy, and soon you guys can be making money and have a big wig podcast just like ours. Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts. We are stoked you guys are here today. We're talking about step families and just how to navigate some of this if you are dealing with it in your own life. We just think it's a really important topic to talk about. So step families are really, really interesting and As of a few years ago, there were like more than 3 million children that lived in households with either like a step-parent in the United States um, or like a blended family. And so even though a lot of people share this commonality, every family is different. And you'll probably hear that a lot in this episode just because there's so many different elements. It's kind of like how many children you have, at what age the divorce happened, at what age the blending happened. For example, I'm in a I'm from a blended family. So I came from a family of originally like a single mom and four kids. And then when I was a teenager, my mom got remarried when I was 15 years old and I inherited a stepfather and then three step siblings. So that is a very interesting dynamic. Came from a single mom. My mom was single for 11 years. The time between like divorce and marriage is also a big factor in all of those fun dynamics. Mm-hmm. And then I was a teenager when that happened. So it was kind of like I got a different family dynamic as a teenager, as opposed to a small child, mm-hmm. maybe that step parent is all that that child remembers. Or mm-hmm. my husband, on the other hand, he came from a family. I have to remember. He has six. Well, there's six children altogether, and then um, he is now in a in a blended family. But that happened when he was an adult, and so it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So it's like might happen when I was 15, and you'd think that I would really be able to empathize with him, and I did. However, our situations were very different. Just because we were both children of divorce and then remarriage, 
that doesn't mean that I know what he was going through because that happened to him, you know, Mm -hmm. after he was a married man. So I say all of that just to make the case that every family is going to be different, but there are some things that we can talk about that will kind of just plant some seeds for you and allow you to kind of think about the blending of a family. So it's been said by the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry that it can take one to two years for blended families to adjust to change, which I think is an interesting statement. (laughs) That's like you get married Then you have a kid and you have two years to adjust. Then a kid goes to college and you have two years to adjust. Like there's a lot of change. We move to a new house and it takes us two years to like, yeah, there's a lot of change. There's a lot, a lot, a lot of change. And so the thing here, I think just like one caveat that I'll give you in terms of blending families is it's never going to be the same. (laughs) And I I know that that sounds kind of like doom or gloom, like your life's never going to be the same. But it's not. And if you go into that situation thinking that you will resume that level that you are at, you will be disappointed and very frustrated because you're coming from two very different origin families and you cannot resume that level of normalcy that you had because you're creating something new. And that's where all the struggle and conflict comes in is creating something new. Because you have a lot of resistance potentially in there as well. Like maybe you are a parent and you are bringing children into a new family and there's children in that family and you're feeling resistance from the kids. And I think it can be just a really hard thing to prepare for. So maybe we can talk about this from, let's say, the parent's perspective. Like say you are a mom or dad that is blending a family. You're choosing to get married to someone new or live with someone new and they also have children or they have children you don't, whatever the dynamic is. What would your recommendations be for an adult entering this new blended family? Something just kind of like an overall umbrella of an like direction to take would be addressing potential problems beforehand. And so that's kind of, instead of you being like the two parents that are just going to make this work and smooth things over and make it easy for everybody, it's so important to integrate every single member of the family in the creation process of this new family. And so what that can look like is bringing everybody and bringing the children and having family meetings, discussing all of these things, but mostly before you can really do any of that, it's making sure that you and your partner are on the same page with a lot of things. So a big issue in all families, actually sibling rivalry, and then it gets very, very complicated. I mean, even in like your like nuclear family that you like sibling rivalry is a rival. Sibling rivalry is like the entire Bible is yeah. just like this. I mean, it's the whole world like started with Cain killing Abel, right? So like, it's kind <laughs> of a thing. It's in there. We have exactly. rivaled with our siblings as long as the earth has been around. Mm-hmm. If you believe in the Bible, you know, you don't yeah. have to. But I mean, you know. if that's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like, this is already a thing. But then with step siblings, you encounter just like a level of discomfort that isn't usually there with 
um, like biological siblings because you have so much history with them. You know exactly the way that they can act and you can anticipate their reactions a lot. With step siblings, there's just not that familiarity there. So there's a lot of discomfort and a lot of uncertainty and then a lot of emotion because of that. So we've identified that this is already an issue in nuclear families, but then in step families, it can be a really big issue. So what can you do about it? One of the first things, like we mentioned, is being on the same page. And so it's not going to work if like one of you is blaming the other's child for something because they're not their child and everything. So it's a really good conversation to have with your spouse about different disciplinary styles. So it's kind of like, how do you discipline children? How have you done that? What do you want that to look like in this new family that you're creating? And then really discuss that. Talk about consequences. Look for positive reinforcement. But I think you do, like, it's a good thing to discuss, like, an everyday situation that would come up. You know, like, okay, so your kid and my kid are fighting. How are we going to deal with that? Maybe my kid instigated it, but your kid responded. What are we going to do? And really... It's, I think, smart to write down some of this stuff so that you have something to always come back to and be like, hey, this is what we want to recenter on. This is what our ideal is. Here's how it went. Okay, here's how we recenter and come back, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then that is kind of that overlaps with step parent discipline. So it's kind of like before, um, like I think about in my own family. It's like when my mom was dating my stepdad, and this is very typical, a stepdad or like a boyfriend or a fiance of your parent usually represents like fun and you guys go on these fun dates together and they're very interesting and new and yada yada. So then they're like a fun person. And then all of a sudden when you get married, they're like an authority person in your life. And so that's a really big shift to make, especially for a child. And so in order to address that, I really like the idea of having family like meetings and having family uh, discussions. And like Jessica said, writing down a lot of these things like on a whiteboard in your house or family rules on the wall and talk about those. Talk about what happens when you break rules and have your children be a part of that decision-making process. So it's kind of like, hey guys, let's decide on our house rules. Let's decide on what happens. Even for your littles, like little littles, ask them what they want the house rules to be. Ask them what they think that the um, you know consequences should be and kind of bring this idea of like, we're not just two people that are deciding what your life is going to look like now. Like we're a family and we want you to have like a say in that. And it's always that, it's always that kind of um idea that if somebody is in the process of creating something, they will then care for it more than if they had no part in the creation process. Oh, absolutely. You get a little bit of like buy-in and yeah, it just feels like it's their family Mm -hmm. versus like, oh, this stepdad just made rules with my mom and I don't agree with them. And my mom never did this before, you know, Mm -hmm. versus like hearing everyone out and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then another issue is attention. It's kind of like it's already really difficult for two parents to give attention to the children that they already have. And then if you're blending a family, you can usually count on 
more children, right? And less time for them. And that's not just kind of like one-on-one time. Those are like extracurricular activities. That's money for extracurricular activities. Say you go from four children to seven children. I mean, you have to budget differently. And so that can be really difficult for kids um, because then they're like, well, when my mom wasn't married, I got to do soccer and basketball. And now I have all these other siblings and I can only do basketball one time a year, like that's unfair and stuff like that. So how to address this? It's kind of like working together as a family, like creating a schedule, again, having everybody weigh in, having everybody discuss like their budget. And this is kind of like a, I don't really, maybe we can talk about like money and families and money and children later, but there is a suggestion that you can even present your children with the budget that you have, and then they can make their decisions as to what they want their money to go towards. Um, But yeah, so it's kind of like bringing in your children and always, always, as we've talked about with children before, and even we've had a few interviews on this, is that special play time um, and that special alone attention with particularly the biological parent for sure. But then in addition, if you can add to that also special play time with the step parent as well. Yeah. I think that that's a good way to just build over time. And so it might be you do like a kid date night where you get a babysitter for all of the kids and then you and your new partner take one kid out a month or something. So they're getting used to the new partner with the biological parent there. But then the biological parent is regularly having dates with their biological children. And then over time, you can move towards the step parent having dates with their non-biological kids, things like that, because attachment takes time to build. And just because you are attached to your partner does not mean that that child is attached. So attachment, a secure attachment takes three years to build. And so to be like, well, you've known this guy for a month, have fun getting ice cream. Like that's not going to feel comfortable. And so you have to give the relationship a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, Another common issue is just like that family unity and just like Jessica was mentioning, the the new couple can often have this idea in their head of what they want it to look like. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to have this big family and everybody's going to love each other and all of the children are going to treat the others like they're, you know, like they are their biological siblings or whatever. But the thing is, it's recognizing what Jessica said. So how do you address that? It's recognizing what, just, what Jessica said. It's like you can't forge a bond overnight. It is not realistic. Um, you have to adapt to a new normal And also you have to make room, especially for the children, for their grieving process because whether or not their parents are original, parents have been divorced for years or whether they just got divorced or whether they just lost a parent um, and then all of a sudden their family does not look the same and they've brought new people in. It's kind of like recognizing your children's behaviors. If there's pushback, if there's resistance, there's typically something underneath that. They're pushing back against the stepfather or the stepmother or something. Maybe they're uncomfortable with them. Maybe they miss their parent. Opening up dialogue for that. And in that special one-on-one time, it's kind of like and, – and I think it is interesting making a time and a place where it's appropriate for that child if they so choose to open up and discuss their parent that is not with them, whether that's because their parent died or their parent um, is divorced and now remarried somewhere else. It's kind of like, do you miss your dad? 
yeah, like that makes so much sense. Like I would miss him too if I was you. It makes me, it makes my heart hurt that he's not here with us anymore. You know that. And figuring out with your partner what that looks like because not talking about the original parent, um, it can be really, really hard for kids. They can feel like, well, we don't talk about that anymore. Like we don't discuss that because there's this new family unit. So figure that out with your partner, figure out how you're going to address that and then integrate that to your children. So they feel comfortable doing that because if not, they will hold on to those emotions and they will push them down and they will show that, that suppression in other ways and not pretty ways. Like behavioral issues yeah. <laughs> and exactly. insecure attachment styles. Those are the two ways it will manifest. So I, I always tell parents it's in your best interest. You will love your child more. You'll get along with them better if you can give them room to kind of express what they need to express and to be like a soft place for that and a safe place for that. And so kind of a good way to envision it is like as a therapist, we have to be the container for whatever our clients give to us, whether it is hard for us to hold or not. Mm -hmm. And so be that for your child. It is your job to be their container. Even if their, their mom really hurt you and left the family, mm -hmm. you can still be the container for how they feel and when they miss her. And then you can take your feelings and go and process those separately as you should. Like if you have ill feelings towards your previous spouse or you're having a ton of grief because you're a widow, you know, those are things that you should absolutely be processing on your own time until that emotion is not so volatile because you do really need to be the safe place for the family now. And that doesn't mean you can't have your own emotions. It just means you have to have them at appropriate times, which is part of being an adult, honestly. Yes. Yeah. I love how you brought that up, Jessica, because just like we do as therapists, where we have to work on our own stuff first before we can be that container, like you said, parents need to do that for their kids. And like what Taylor was saying about kids needing to feel some of that grief there's so much grief that comes with blending families and there's a lot of layers to it, whether it's because of, you know, your spouse passed away or a divorce, or maybe you are somebody who's never been married before and you don't have your own kids and you're mar marrying someone who has kids and you kind of have to grieve that loss of maybe the life you imagined you would have or that marriage that you thought you would have your whole life, you know, mm -hmm. where you were going to start your married life with someone who hadn't been married before and you were going to have kids that belong to the two of you. And it's not that it's a bad thing that you're getting married to someone where that's a little different, but grieving that loss of what you had in your mind your whole life. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of that grief and like we've talked about grief isn't linear. So you may have to keep processing it over and over and with your kids recognizing that these conversations may come up over and over again as they process. I think that this is kind of going in a little bit of a different direction. This might pertain more to teenage or um, adult children that are entering into a blended family. So it's important to remember that as partners, um, 
as the two people that are coming together to join and create a blended family, that you are making this decision to do this. Your children don't get a choice in this. And I think that that is really important. It's recognizing that and taking responsibility of that, especially if you have older children, say they are in college or, you know, getting married, not to say that these, that this is a bad decision, but it's your decision. And I think that just like Jessica said, with small children, as you are that container for them, that's the same concept here later. You've made this decision that is right for you and your children might have different feelings about that or they might have hard feelings or they might just need to process and get used to it. Remembering that it takes years to get used to these transitions. So remembering that this was your decision and to try to make space and be that container for them as hard as it might be sometimes And then when it is really hard and really heavy, going and processing that stuff on your own so that you can be okay and you can process it and you can move forward with your life and with your children, but also recognizing that everybody's going to have an emotional process here. And it's very important to honor those emotions, especially of your children. Oh, 100%. If you want to continue a healthy relationship where there's not like secret animosity and resentment and stuff, you have to honor whatever their process is. And sometimes that might look like you slowing your relationship down, giving them space. And other times it might be like, you know what, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And then whenever you're ready, I'm here to welcome you with open arms. It's just like you are going to have to tailor it for every kid, but always having open conversations and constantly checking in rather than like dating in secret and things like that. I think it's good to be very open with what is going on with you. Tay, I wanted to know your perspective, just having been in this situation, like what you would tell your 15 year old self now or like if we have people listening who are the children in these families if there's you know anything that might help them with how they can navigate it yeah so interesting I think back to 15 year old Taylor and I'm like oh I just have so much love for her you know I just want to go back and hold her as I do with a lot of versions almost all of them all of them I just want to go back and hug all of them but um yeah, in terms of 15, my, my situation was pretty interesting. Um, I know that I've alluded to it before on different interviews on the podcast, but came from divorced parents at the age of five. Uh, my mom was then single for 11 years before she decided to remarry um, to a man that had lost his wife to cancer. So he was a widow. Um, and then he had three children. And so at that time when I was 15 years old, I had already lost um, a sibling. I had lost my brother in a car accident like two years earlier, which was obviously trapped like super hard, super hard and devastating for our family. And then my two remaining siblings were older than me. My sister's six years older than me and my brother is eight years older than me. So I was the only child. I was the only kid at home. I was the only kid at home. And so that was very, very difficult for 15-year-old Taylor because my siblings were always my – we were very, very, very close, even though they were a lot older than me. But they weren't there anymore. And I had two step-siblings that I was moving in with. And I was moving into their house, which is also another interesting dynamic. So I think if I was to go back and tell 15-year-old Taylor something in that situation – 
I think I would just tell her to cleave onto those relationships that brought me stability and security. And so for one, that was my mom. I had a very close relationship with my mom, which was a huge thing that brought me through that. My mom did always um, invest a lot of time and energy into me, you know, whether that was all of my activities or just being around me and supporting me and stuff. Uh, that was really good. Staying really close with my older siblings. That was very, very helpful because I really needed them. And yeah, the first couple of years were really difficult as it is with, as it was for me. And I assume my step siblings as well, but mm-hmm. I think just clinging on to people and connection. And that's kind of what carried me through that interesting transition. I think that that is the most beautiful advice is really just hold on to those precious relationships that are so important to you. And when things get hard, that's what you come back to is that things will be okay. I can continue to connect with people who are meaningful to me, even through the midst of all this new connection and confusion. If you are like in a step family and you are having trouble developing attachment for someone in the family, uh, I think that this is a very normal thing that happens where maybe you just don't like one of the kids or you're feeling very protective over like your biological kids and really not liking the step kids, things like that. I think that's something that you need to be open and direct with, with your partner over and over again and constantly checking in about. And then it's a lot of faking it till you make it where you realize that you know what the right way to treat someone is. So even if you maybe don't like that kid or you're having a harder time with that kid, be willing to swallow that down and treat them normally, at least on the surface Unfortunately, they'll still be able to feel that there's something there. So you want to continually work on it, whether that's therapy or just consistently talking about it with a partner or a friend, but really just make sure that you don't treat them differently because, I mean, I think we all know how Cinderella turned out really well for Cinderella, but (laughs) don't be the evil stepmother. And I think that if you are open and honest about your feelings, you're not going to end up in that place, which is really nice. Absolutely. And just to kind of go over some of these takeaways that you can maybe implement or discuss with your partner or talk about with whoever. Number one, giving yourself time. You have to shift perspective, give time for transition and adjustment, knowing that this is going to be a years in the making sort of process. But also like, don't let that like get you down. You know, it's just, it's part of the journey and there will be beautiful parts of it and there will be hard parts just like a lot of things that we talk about, there are things that are good and things that are hard at the same time. And this would definitely be one of them. Um, another takeaway to think about is um, integrating the whole family in the decision-making process. It's taking step to be on the same page as your partner, but then also bringing the children on on board in terms of talking about rules, talking about consequences, talking about discipline. And also when it comes to the kids' activities and attention, make a schedule with your partner. Sit down, talk about what days of the week you're going to spend individually with who. Talk about where funds are going to be allocated to and talk about that with your children. And 
lastly, the last takeaway would be recognizing um, your control and your part in the process and the decisions that you make, and then honoring the emotions of everybody involved, whether that means um, seeking some therapy for yourself so that you can process your frustrations and trials and emotions so that you can be that container for your children and for your spouse and that you can receive what they are saying with a non-judgmental and loving attitude. To all of you out there who are in step families, we see you. We are on your team. So whatever you need, reach out to us, please. We love to get DMs. We love emails. We love to help and give advice wherever we can. There's also just so many resources out there. So please look into those. We don't know what they are but we know you can find them. If you just Google step family resources, you'll be amazed at what you find. And if you are having difficulties, always seek therapy because we love therapy and therapy will help your step family be so much more successful. So good luck. And we will catch you guys next week with a new episode. Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All original music is composed by Milan Bryich from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.